Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Campbell. I'm a doula in Washoe County, Nevada, a Medicaid provider, a lactation educator, childbirth educator, and mom of 18. You can find me and connect on doulainreno.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive in. Welcome to Becoming Parents. I am your host, Jennifer Campbell. And today I have on Candace Cochran for a special release. So excited because I actually know you. Um, we live in the same town and we're doing this special release for female entrepreneurs. And I, I'm just psyched to have you here. Thank you for being on. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here as well. So I want you to jump in and talk about how you became a parent. Mm, my parenting journey. Yes, well, indeed. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I never really wanted to be a parent. You know, when I look back at, you know, when I was a teenage girl, you know, I would babysit and do things like that and be around kids because that's just what girls did, right? We right. babysat. We, we were supposed to have this like, oh, I love babies kind of image. Um, and so I did the things, but I really never had like this deep down, genuine, I want to have kids. I love kids kind of vibe coming from my soul. So as I grew up, um, you know, it wasn't like, you know, kids are out of the picture by any means. It was, oh yeah, someday, probably, maybe, you know, it was never like a heck yeah, I'm having kids. So, um, you know, as I was um, going through my, uh, you know, years after I graduated high school, you know, I graduated high school, my husband and I um, were high school sweethearts. Um, oh, we started, wow. Yeah, we started dating uh, when I was 16 years old. And so as soon as I graduated, we packed up my little hatchback and we moved to Reno. And um you know, we were living that college student lifestyle. I mean, we were in the thick of it, living it to its fullest, you know, uh, had so many friends and we were partying and doing the school thing and the work thing. And we were just getting swept up by life. Well, you know, it's all fun and games until it's not anymore. And, um, yeah. you know, without getting into like some of the really, really nitty gritty details, uh, we ended up homeless um, when I was around 23, I think. Um, we ended up homeless and I found out I was pregnant. So, wow, Candace, yeah. I have no idea. This is so, uh, wow. Okay. Nobody really knows this about me. So, as soon as people listen to this, I mean, they're going to be like, what? What? <laughs> okay. Um, so I end up homeless. Uh, my husband and I end up homeless and we're living out of our little 96 Jeep Grand Cherokee. And, um, you know, like I was really just like, what am I supposed to do here? This, this isn't good. I mean, I cannot have a baby in this, in this type of situation, you know, like for the baby's sake. Right. Um, and so, you know, we're homeless. We don't have any money. Uh, we're making all kinds of terrible decisions. And, you know, ultimately we were like, okay, we, we need to have an abortion. And, um, 
So I looked into getting an abortion and I was already in my second trimester and everybody was like, yeah, that's not happening. You're not doing it. So then we get this reality sets in, right? And we're like, okay, we're having a baby. It's time to get our shit together. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's exactly what we did. You know, we moved in with family. Um, we, we really dug deep and made things happen. We ended up having our own apartment by the time he was born. Um, and, you know, to this day, my husband and I both believe with every ounce of our being that he was our, our angel baby and he truly saved our lives. Mm. Oh, Candace, holy cow. Um, so crazy. So crazy, right? So what crazy. A change. You know, I, I do want to give a shout out because you are no longer 16. We don't have to talk about age because, you know, that's terrifying. <laughs> but I was married at 19. It's like the marriage nobody knows about because it was it was quick. It was we were together for three years. But my first daughter was born then and I went through infertility then. But I just sort of blur the lines so people don't realize that I had that extra marriage back at 19. And mm -hmm. I know from being like someone who really wanted to be married and really wanted to have kids and all of that stuff that you are changing so much, especially from 16, but even from like 19, 20, 21, until you're like 25, 20, you change so much that when you're with someone, if you don't communicate well and grow up together, like together, because it's easy to grow up and be, and have it be apart. And I know that, that those are two reasons why we didn't know what we were doing at 19 and we didn't communicate well and we did rush into it too soon and then but then you're there you're at this place where you have to figure out what to do and we grew apart instead of growing up together I don't know how to say it differently but I know I've had the experience where it didn't last um and so I'm applauding you for being with your high school sweetheart back here and going through all yes the party and the call that's what i'm saying like you changed so much you're not the person you were in high school or in college or even your early 20s like you're changing so much and to be homeless on top of that and no realize you're making bad decisions and then have to make a decision about a child you know, like that's massive that you guys, when you say, you know, we pulled it together and we figured it out, that is such a loaded statement because it's, it's so big. What you did is so big and it sounds so small. Like, yeah, we just pulled it together, got help from family, got into an apartment. So big. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, you know, looking back on it, um, it really is a big deal. And when you have that negative momentum in your life, um, it is difficult to pull yourself out of it. Um, especially knowing what I know now um, about brain development and all of these things. And, um, you know, we really did. It helped that we did it together, for sure. Um, but, you know, our, our little human just totally created inspiration and motivation in us that we didn't have before. And thank goodness that that happened, right? Because we love, we love him. We love our life. Um, and he really was like the catalyst and the catapult to, you know, us getting that momentum to get out of orbit, so to speak.
Love that. So you guys got into an apartment. Now you said you moved here. Did you have family here locally that could help you? We did. Um, my husband's biological father um, lived here in Reno. My So we grew up in Winnemucca. And so okay, uh, okay. You know, my at this time, um, all of our parents lived in Winnemucca. Uh, my husband's mom and stepdad and my mom and dad um, lived in Winnemucca. And so um, we were, you know, when we left Winnemucca, we said, you know, I don't know if you've ever grown up in a small town or been part of that, but we said we are never coming back here no matter what hence us being homeless in Reno. <laughs> um, and so right. when we found out that, you know, we were pregnant, we did get help. And we are so grateful to this day for the help that we received from my husband's biological dad. Um, he let us move in with him. Uh, he owned a welding business. And so my husband was able to work uh, for him. I was pregnant and nobody wanted to hire me at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, nope. So, um, I tried and tried and tried to get a job, but I couldn't. And so, um, us living with him, um, enabled us to save money and we got this little, you know, two bedroom apartment over by Idlewild park. And, um, as one does, <laughs> and it was perfect for us yeah. at the time. It really was. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the beginning of the next chapter for us. So, how old is he now? Just to give us kind of a general idea of time. He is 17, but he will be 18 in February. Okay. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So then what did things look like? Did you guys finish college or do we have degrees? Are we going into trades? Reno's an interesting amalgam. And when you look at it on paper, for me, it's like, this is utopia. This looks great. And then you look at census reports and then you you get here and you feel kind of the vibe and you're like, something's not matching up. So it's kind of a good old boys town that's never gotten out of that, in my opinion. I know that that's a big opinion, but it can be hard to feel like you have your foothold here permanently. You're talking like 19 years ago, you moved here. I moved here 19 years ago. Oh, I'm surprised we haven't each many years ago. Yes. Or maybe we have. Maybe we have. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a strange amalgam. So what happened with college and jobs and things like that? Because obviously you moved forward. It's been 18 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I actually ended up dropping out of my last semester of college. Um, I mean, I was doing it really half-assed anyway, because I mean, I was not making good choices. Um, I have enough credits where I should have a degree, uh, but I actually never ended up declaring a major. And so um, at the time, what was going on was um, to stay on my dad's health insurance, I needed to be a full-time student. And oh. I was so afraid of commitment. I was terrified of not having health insurance. And so I got all of my core credits done, my core classes. Um, and then I just kind of started taking, you know, electives and trying to figure out like, where do I fit in in society? Where is my passion? What direction am I going to go? Um, and then life threw me a curveball. So um, after um, I had my son, I ended up being a stay-at-home mom. And my husband continued to work for his dad at the welding shop. But then he um, ended up moving over to the Iron Workers Union, Local 118. And he's been pretty much um, an, a, a union iron worker ever since then. Um, nice. That's yeah. great. 
I think the trades are overlooked and they're underrated. And I wish more people really got into more trade work. It, I, I think it's where we should be focusing now with college so expensive too. So that's awesome. Really provided some awesome opportunity for us um, as a family, as we grew our family. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for the trades. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. So he's been in, the, that's so great. And then <laughs> I get the health insurance. I was laughing because like I have a 26 year old daughter who just called me and she's like, yeah, I'm off of dad's insurance now. I need to figure out insurance. And I, and I Googled it and I'm totally overwhelmed. And I'm like, yes, welcome. <laughs> well, welcome well, to that. And it's, it's so much more of a mess now than it was back then. You know, I mean, we're talking, let's see, Dustin was born in 2006. So, I mean, we're talking like early 2000s. I mean, it was a completely different yeah. scene, insurance scene back then. Definitely, um, definitely. Way more manageable, way more manageable. But I was still terrified and I'm not even really sure why. I, I was like, oh my gosh, the minute I go without health insurance, I'm going to get in a car accident and not be able to get treatment or pay my bills or I don't know, from a very young age, I, I knew it was important. Yeah, but we it was stressful. I mean, it's I I think that's part of what feeds into us wanting to get medical insurance is that there's this fear around not having it. But that's a different topic. Um, we could tangent all day. When so your your son is eighteen, so continue on the journey of that. You'd moved here, you got an apartment, you're kind of getting things done, and you're learning how to parent. I it am is a yeah. learning thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of just going through life. I'm a stay at home mom. Um, and you know, if, if I'm honest and, you know, so I'm a parent coach and, um, as I'm going through this parent coach journey, right. Um, there was a part of it that came up about forgiveness. Right. And yeah, I, there is this one scenario that I remember Back from that first apartment, my son was probably one, one and a half or so. Um, and I just remember losing it on my little baby boy. I remember the lighting in the room, how the room was set up, how I was feeling. Um, and I just remember it being too much. And I never hit him or abused him or anything like that. but. Um, it wasn't my proudest parenting moment. I don't really want to get into the details or anything, just in right. case he listens to this. We don't need to rehash that. <clears throat> um, but so I'm going through life and I'm having, I'm, I, I've never thought of myself as a bad mom. Um, I've always immensely loved my children. Right. Um, I was the mom that always made sure they had clean underwear and clean socks and got them to their sporting events. And I did all of the things they were well taken care of. Um, but you know, there were moments in my parenting journey where I just wasn't showing up for them the way that I should have been showing up for them, the way that they deserved me to show up. And the icing on the cake was, um, I'd say about, dude, I, I want to say that Dustin was probably around 10 years old or so. And he comes to me and he asks me, I don't even remember what it was about. Probably something like super doesn't matter, not important, asking me to help him, asking me to be his mom. Right. Right. 
And even though inside of myself, I wasn't feeling this way, the way that I responded to him was like he was an inconvenience or he was irritating me or he was frustrating me. And this kind of was becoming like this pattern in my communication with him. And my husband actually was like, Candace, you need to pay attention to how you're talking to him because he would turn around and his tail would be between his legs and his his head would be hanging low for just being doing age appropriate things and, you know, reaching for his mom for guidance and help, you know? And so many, many tears were shed um, because as much as I told myself I was going to stop talking to him like that because he didn't deserve it, that's not how I felt inside, um, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. I mean, and then I realized in that moment, I was my mom. So my mom um, was... I can't remember how old I was. I think I was in third grade or fourth grade. Um, my mom was actually diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And mm. at the time it was brand spanking new. Doctors did not know what was going on. Um, her arms just hurt really, really, really bad. And my mom has now passed away. And I remember going through like her boxes and I found all of these letters that were done on a typewriter because that's how old I am and or she was um but I mean she was like pleading with them she's like can someone please please just tell me why I am in so much pain this is just crazy you guys can't figure it out I need answers right and then my heart just broke when I was reading those so she's diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I'm in third or fourth grade and there's no answers there's no treatment there's no cure there's nothing there to support her so she ended up self-medicating. Um, she was a beer drinker. And um, I mean, she pretty much just drank to ease the pain every single day. But in the process, I think that she wasn't showing up for me the way that I needed her to show up. Yeah. And so knowing what I know now as a parent coach, I know that we are handed down these unwritten generational parenting handbooks that we know by heart. We know them. We don't ever have to refer back to them. It's just like, like that. And so I think what was happening was, you know, a lot of times we go to our default parenting and the reactions that we're not super proud of when we're, you know, we don't have the right resources, right? We're tired. We're hungry. We're hurting. We're sick, you know, whatever it is. And that was my mom all the time. And so even though I didn't feel like I had a bad childhood by any means. I mean, I look back on my childhood. I had a great childhood. I was a happy kid. I was social. I was all of these things, but my emotional needs were not met by my mom. And she was really my primary caregiver. My dad was great. Um, but because my mom had gone on disability and she wasn't able to work, she was there all the time. She was the one that I counted on for everything. Um, and that's how my mom showed up for me. Like I ended up putting up emotional armor. I'm not sure if you're a Brene Brown fan or not, mm -hmm. um, but I had emotional armor up all of the time because my mom was coming at me all of the time. And I learned that I've got this. I don't need to ask for help. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. 
right? And so as I'm going through my parenting journey, my mom was coming out in me. I, my, my kids were inconven inconveniencing me. They were frustrating me, even though that's not really how I felt. That's how I felt unknowingly. And so after so many tears are shed, I'm like, oh my gosh, something has got to change. And then that is when I kind of started shifting my, my ideas on parenting and how to really show up for my kids. Um, and so I kind of just started researching and, um, you know, I was probably trying to shift my own parenting probably for about four years before I really kind of found, um, you know, my current path of being a parent coach and going through that whole journey myself. I think the best coaches, the best, um, the best insert thing here are people who have gone through the trenches themselves. Um, that's what I like about being a doula. I mean, when you have a male OB say, this is going to, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. I'm like, really, buddy? <laughs> Bend over, yeah. let me show you. Like, right? you have you no idea that? what you're talking about. I think exactly. you can be great regardless, but I think there's a different sort of compassion and empathy, especially in coaching. So um, I love that. I I have noticed with entrepreneurs when I'm doing interviews, 100% of us birthed our business out of our own struggle. We wanted to make it faster, easier, and more supported for other people. It's like, turning around and offering your hand up to someone else. Um, and I, I love that emotional feeling. I love the physical, the, the imagery on that. I mean, like that really is how most of us feel. We're turning around to give a hand up. Like it doesn't have to be as hard as for you as it was for me. And yes. I also think many of us get through our traumas and look, things always bubble up the whole onion thing. Totally true. Shrek nailed it. Like you know, I'm an onion. We're constant, but I think you can peel back some of the big stuff, some of the bigger traumas. So the things that bubble up, you can deal with much more easily. And once you've gotten through those big ones, you can turn around and say, I did it. I know you can do it and I can help. And so mm -hmm. I love that that's where you've taken this, your, your experience with your mom and with your own parenting. And man, those defaults are so hard. I grew up in New England. People are very like, we talk with our hands and they're very loud, right? I don't know if I'm loud because I'm from New England or because I'm me. I do remember somebody saying, oh, she like, she just gets that from her upbringing from New England. That doesn't mean that. So uh, what was I as a parent? I raised my voice because volume's my thing, right? Volume's easy for me. It's my default. Um, it's nearly impossible for me to tamp it down. Now I could say, well, I'm like that because I grew up in new England and we all use our hands and we're loud because someone said that to me, they gave me the excuse to justify my default parenting, my generational default, but it's crap. It is. I didn't, I never wanted, it's true. I am from new England. I do talk loud. And if you hear me talking to somebody else from new England and the accent comes out and like, <laughs> It's like a whole, it's like watching a transformation. That's probably not a good trans. Like you, you, you watch me transform. Cause I go right back into that, how I was raised and where I was raised. Um, so to make those shifts and changes is really, really hard. And then to do that enough to turn around and be like, no, you've got this. I can help you with this. And that's what you've done. And I'm just grateful for you. 
Oh, thank you. I'm super grateful for the process uh, myself because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I really didn't know really how thick in the trenches I had become, you know, and I can't even say like what a better relationship I have with both of my boys now, um, you know, 13, well, 13 and 18, they're actually 12 and 17, but I mean, they're pretty much 13 and 18, Um, you know, um, they come to me with their struggles because they know I'm not going to react in a way where they feel emotionally invalidated or put down or, you know, any of these things that we tend to do right. in our parenting. Um, but, you know, it really did take um, inner child work, shadow work. Yep. I mean, deep, deep stuff. I mean, information doesn't equal transformation. You can read all of the books. We call mm-hmm. that shelf help. Because you read the book, <laughs> put it back on the that. shelf, right? And nothing right. happens. Or maybe you do it for a little bit, but then you fall into your default patterns. And so that's really why all of that super deep underneath the surface work needs to come in. Yeah, sure. I, I've done it. I've done tons of it. And it's really hard. I remember the most intense program that I went through and I thought like I want to do anything to get out of this I don't I don't want to do this and what is wonderful when you no matter how what you use to get through that stuff or who or how like you literally it's like being pregnant you know when you go into transition and you're like nope I'm done I don't want this anymore we're just I'm gonna like take this belly off I'm just gonna leave it behind I'm I'm good like going through that work is just like transition it is so hard and you want to escape because it is hard and you don't like it and then when you get when you push through that and you work through that on the other side is the most astounding relief for me when I was going like I I didn't realize how much bigger the reward would be than how hard the process was because when you're in the process it's just hard and holy cow and then when when Mm -hmm. those other things start to bubble up you're like oh I got this like (laughs) no problem because I just went through transition with my emotions so I love that you take people through that we have everything in the show notes I always like to so people can get in touch with you they can talk to you do you do virtual coaching I do um I like to do it over zoom um we have busy 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 lives um and I find it's a lot easier for parents to be able to just go to their computer instead of drive 20 minutes to a location. So yeah, I like to do it over zoom. Okay, perfect. So people do not have to live here in order to hire you. No. Yeah. Um, okay. That was one thing I wanted to ask. So what is like, I don't, we can end on whatever you want, but I want to end on like, if you could give one piece of advice that would help in the journey or the most common things that women come to you about that they're really struggling with. Cause I think women just don't talk about it. We don't talk about our periods. We don't talk about, you know, our sex lives, how challenging maybe that is, especially in the beginning. We don't talk about being embarrassed by tampons. We don't talk about miscarriage. We, We don't talk about this stuff. So I think probably there's, there are common themes where we would all go, Oh, like that's, I have, 
point. That's me. You're talking to me. So I don't know which thing you want to pick and choose to kind of end, of end on. I'll let you choose that. Mm. You know, that's actually really, really hard um, yeah. to pinpoint because there really are a lot. Um, you know, I think that a common thread in almost every mom that I have interacted with in my coaching business um, is that you matter. Oh, it's yep. okay. It's okay to set loving boundaries and get clear on your values and find joy in your parenting again. And it's okay to admit that you're not having fun. We live in this world where we have these unrealistic expectations, you know, with Instagram and uh, TikTok and all of these like social media, you know, um, outlets that create this image of what we're supposed to look like and feel like and the bond we're supposed to have with our kids. And it's really, really hard. It's a very vulnerable moment to be with yourself and be like, I'm not having the parenting experience that I want yeah. or outwardly say like, I need help, you know? And so a lot of times, you know, when, when moms come to me and dads too, it's like the first time that they've ever really felt seen, heard, validated and safe in a vulnerable setting because everywhere we're told <laughs> that it's not safe to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and real. And so, you know, I think that that's probably like the most important thing to take away is, you know, you deserve to find joy in your parenting and you matter and it's okay to ask for help. And just thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you so much. Hmm, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure.